Tonight, I'm going to talk about Aditana. Aditana is the Pali word, and in English, it's translated as determination or resolution or resolve. <coughs> Aditana is a quality that gives, that gives strength to our purpose and prevents us from wavering or Sidetracking. With a determined mind, we pursue our set goal and do not fall prey to the seductions which lie lingering at the side of the path. Before we make a determination or a resolve, we should be clear about what we are going to determine or resolve. We should exactly know what we want to do or where we want to go or into which direction we want to incline our mind. <coughs> In worldly matters, this is quite obvious. If we have a business, then we determine to have to make good business. And so in order to achieve this goal, to have a good running business, we set up conditions which are conducive for our business to flourish. So we employ trained and competent staff, we put up ads, <coughs> or we also look for good public relations. Or another example is when we go for a holiday trip. So if we plan to go on a holiday, then first of all we decide where we want to go. Let's say we want to go to Warren National Park, which is near Pemberton. That's about the only other place I know here in <laughs> West Australia, <laughs> beside Epiphany Retreat Center. I know the airport too in Perth. So, once we have decided we want to go there for our holiday, then we have to organize some accommodation. So, we have to find out where it will be possible to stay, um, a lodge or some holiday accommodation. And then we also have to figure out how to get there. Maybe we get a map and look which road we have to take path through Bunbury. And then we are going to make sure that our car is in good shape if you're going by car. And then we start packing our things. 
taking the right clothes, the right things what we want for our holiday. And finally, we put everything into the car, hop in the car, and drive down to Pemberton or the Warren National Park. And if there is no major obstacle on the road, then we will get there. And for our spiritual matters, it's actually the same. And very often, our spiritual practice is compared to a long journey. And therefore, when we set out on this journey, we should be clear about where we are heading to, or we should be clear about the goal, the aim. So, the goal or the destination should not only be well-defined, but it also should be something well worth to be reached. And then there should also be the sincere determination or wish to, to get there, to make it there. And so, once we have this clear vision or clear goal, then we can bring our day-to-day actions in alignment with this vision or with this goal. For example, realizing that we are um, quite a greedy nature and wanting to reduce our greed, then we can determine to curb back on our greed in a small but significant way. I'll give you an example. When I was younger, I was very greedy. Uh, I especially liked sweets, eating sweets. And especially the homemade cakes and pies of my mother, they were extremely delicious. And I was eating far too much. But I also would go for anything else sweet, ice cream, cookies, sweetened beverages, etc. So, when I was around 20, realizing that I had this constant craving for sweets and wanting to curb back on that, then I made this determination not to eat sweets for two weeks. First of all, I thought I could maybe reduce it, maybe just eat half of the amount that I was uh, eating. But then I realized that that wouldn't work because I knew myself well enough that I would cheat myself and allow maybe just a little bit more. So, therefore, I made this um, strong determination not to eat anything sweet, not to eat anything that contained sugar for two weeks. That was the determination and I did it. For two weeks I didn't eat or drink anything that was sweet or contained sugar. After the two weeks were over, I was happy and satisfied 
with myself and after that I allowed myself myself again to eat sweet but having gone through this experience I realized that uh, I didn't have to gratify all my craving or whenever I um, was eating was um, had a desire to eat sweets that I haven't that I didn't have to gratify this desire and uh, every time in order to to make it go away or in the same way if we become aware of some unwholesome tendencies or some unskillful habits that we want to abandon or to get rid of then we can curb back on them by making a determination for example if we are of a stingy nature then we could determine that let's say for the next 10 days each time we think of giving away something that we actually do it and that we do not um, hesitate and wait for the afterthought saying oh no no I can't give this away or it's not appropriate to give this away but whenever there is the thought of giving away something we just go and give it away or if we are of a rather short-tempered nature then we can make a determination that for the next week um, we are going we are not going to reply or act immediately but only after a couple of seconds during which we have the time to think if our uh, intended words or actions are really helpful and beneficial or in the case if we are rather proud and conceited then we could make the determination that for the next couple of weeks whenever we take a bus or ride a train that we are going to give our seat to another person who is standing if all seats are taken or if we driving a car and if we uh, see a free parking lot then instead of racing in and getting there first before the car from the other side gets in or comes we let the other car take that parking lot so to make a strong determination a strong resolve can be helpful in order to reach our objective and already the fact that we deliberately formulate our determination or our resolve gives extra strength um, to this determination and if we do it in front of another person or uh, in front of a Buddha statue then again it gains in strength and it will be less likely that we are going to cheat ourselves
in the Buddhist teaching, Aditana, determination, resolve, is one of the paramis, one of the ten perfections. And for the Buddha, in order to become a Buddha, he had to fulfill these perfections in the highest degree. In the Jataka stories, these are the stories about the Buddha's formal life when he was a bodhisattva, striving to become a Buddha. So in these Jataka stories, um, we can see how the bodhisattva fulfilled his perfections. And I'd like to tell you the story of Tenya, the Jataka story of Tenya, in which he uh, perfected his Aditana. In that life, he was born a prince in the kingdom of Benares. After about one month, he was brought before the king, and the king, seeing the little boy for the first time, was very delighted and happy to have such a nice and noble uh, little boy. At the same time, there were also four robbers brought before the king, and these robbers were convicted and sentenced. The first of them was going to be whipped with a with two thousand strokes. The second of them was going to be imprisoned in chains. The third of them was going to be speared, and the fourth of them was going to be impaled. So, although the Bodhisattva was still a little baby, he realized the cruelty of the king, and he was terrified by that. Then, the next morning, as he was lying in his bed, he was reflecting about the king's misdeeds, and when he was reflecting about that, he could recollect that he himself, in a former life, he had been a very cruel king, and subsequently he had to suffer in hell for a long, long time. And so therefore, he was greatly terrified and afraid of becoming a king. But just in that moment, the Deva, who lived in the white royal umbrella, which was put beside his bed, so the Deva said to the little baby, My little boy, don't be afraid. If you want to escape from being a king, then pretend to be a cripple, to be deaf and dumb. Be a fool, and so you will be scorned. And the little boy reflected that this would be a good idea, and so he determined to behave like a cripple, deaf and dumb. And so then it happened that the Bodhisattva never cried for milk, 
He never laughed and he never played as other little children would. They tested him in many ways to see what was wrong with the little baby, but they couldn't find anything. When he was growing a little bit older, other little kids, they would go for the sweet cakes and for the uh, nice things. But the Bodhisattva told himself, eat the cakes if you want to go to hell. And they also tested his hearing by blowing uh, horns very near to his ears, very loud. But the little boy remained unmoved. When the prince had grown up and when he was 16 years old, the soothsayer said, that the, chi- the child would bring mos- misfortune to the royal family and suggested that he, brought, that he be brought to a faraway place and be buried alive. And so the king's charioteer, Sunanda, had to take the bodhisattva and bring him to a faraway place. They put him into the chariot and there the bodhisattva saw his mother crying and he thought to himself my mother might die of a broken heart if I do not speak up but if I speak up, if I say something then my 16 years would have been wasted but he could see that later on he could be Uh, of benefit to himself and also for his parents. So then when Sunanda was far away from the palace, when he was in a forest, he stopped the chariot, went, uh, alighted from it and started to dig a hole. In the meantime, the Bodhisattva, he went down from the chariot and within a short time he regained the strength to walk. We have to remember, pretending to be a cripple, he had never walked for his whole life. And then the King Saka, the king of the Devas, he gave some nice and beautiful clothes to the Bodhisattva. So then finally, when Sunanda had finished digging the hole in order to bury the Bodhisattva alive, when he came out from the hole and went to the chariot to get uh, the Bodhisattva, the chariot was empty, he couldn't find it. And so looking around, he saw this uh, young man beautifully uh, adorned with nice dresses. And this young man just approached Sunanda and asked him, Why are you digging this hole for? What this is for? And Sunanda was perplexed and surprised and he just said truthfully that he was going to bury the prince alive. But then the Bodhisattva said, 
that the prince was actually not a cripple, not deaf and dumb, and that the prince was actually he himself. Sunanda was surprised. But then looking at this young, healthy man, he recognized that it was the, the prince. And so then, of course, Sunanda asked the Bodhisattva to come back to the palace. But the Bodhisattva was still firm in his resolve. He didn't want to become king. And so he said that he wanted to stay here in the forest and become a hermit. So then Sunanda went back to the palace and the news about the healthy prince spread like a bushfire. And the king then ordered his attendants to prepare for the journey to go out uh, to that forest and see the prince. It took them three days for the preparations and then on the third day they set out in the morning with all the elephants and horses and great royal pomp. When they arrived in that forest, the prince, the Bodhisattva, welcomed the king and the queen and all the other people who had come along. And so then the king told his son, I will give you all my palaces, all my horses and elephants, um, all the infant, infantry, all my treasures, all the jewelry, everything is yours. You also will have all the beautiful young girl who will be dancing and entertaining you in all the waking hours. Enjoy the throne and all the pleasures. I can ensure uh, assure you a happy life. But the prince, the Bodhisattva replied, Why should I seek wealth that does not last? There is no guarantee that it will be yours by tomorrow. Death has the final say. It decides when one has to go. I am not enticed by wealth, pleasure, luxury and power. Go back and keep your crown. Having heard these words by the Bodhisattva, the king and the queen and all the attendants who were with them, they decided also to become hermits, to give up the kingdom. And so the king went back distributed all his wealth and renounced the kingdom. This is not the only story that tells us about the Bodhisattva's strive to perfect his paramis or perfections. In another story we are told that he was a merchant and uh, being on a ship but then one day the ship came into a big storm and then uh, the ship sank. All the other people on the ship, they were afraid. They screamed and drowned. 
but the merchant, the Bodhisattva, he decided that he was going to swim until he reached the shore. And so he made this determined effort to swim until he would have reached the shore. And so for seven days he was swimming and then Deva had pity on him and she rescued him. Wasn't it for the Bodhisattva's great determination to reach the shore if he had been overcome by fear and just given up like all the other people on the boat, he would have drowned as well. So, when we are clear about what we value in our life and how we want to spend, how we want to live our life, then we have to find means and methods to implement our values and aims. The Buddhist teachings are rich in skillful means and methods of how to become a better and more considerate human being. These methods and means, they cannot only be applied in in intensive meditation practice, but they also can be applied in our daily lives. So then, we should choose those among the many teachings which suit, which, um, suit best our temperament and which are the most skillful ways in dealing with our day-to-day lives. And so, once we know what to do or how to implement the practice, then we also have to make the effort to practice it. So we have to be determined to apply it in our life. So, Aditana, determination, is the heart's quality to stick with our resolve and not to waver in times of challenges or difficulties. In my early years of practicing meditation in Burma, at that time I was still in the main center in Yangon, I made the determination to restrain my eyes completely to restrain them completely, so just to have them gazing on the ground two meters ahead of me and not look up or here or there or to the sides. I I did this determination because for me it was extremely difficult not knowing what was going on in my environment or not knowing who was in my vicinity, not knowing who was sitting um, on the table when I had lunch, or not knowing who was sitting next to me in the meditation hall. I always had this uh, compulsive drive just to look and see. Then it would be fine once I had seen the persons, once I would have seen the face, then 
this desire was stilled. But it was really uh, an unwholesome tendency and a compulsive force that I always was giving in. And so then, with a, a determined resolution and a sincere inclination of the heart, I made this determination not to look up or around for the three months of Vasa, which is during the rainy season. So then, for example, when I bowed down in the dining hall before eating, in Burma all yogis do this, then I just restrained my eyes and didn't look to the front where Chami Sayadaw was usually sitting. So, because I always wanted to know is he there or not. <laughs> or, um, in order to go to the dining hall, um, I had to cross a little bridge which was going o- uh, over a little canal and it was quite narrow. And even though I had my eyes looking down, sometimes when another person was coming from the opposite way, I just saw some legs, some feet passing by. And sometimes it happened, happened that a pair of white sneakers and jeans would walk past. And so then I knew that this must be a new foreigner which had arrived in the center because Burmese people, they wouldn't wear sneakers or jeans. And then I just noticed my very strong desire just to look up for a second to see who it was that had arrived. But sticking to my resolve, I just noticed my desire and I didn't give in. And so having done this strong resolve, I managed it for the whole three months of not looking up and around. A strong resolve also helps to put energy into what we value. And this is not only true for our work or relationships, but also for our meditation practice. Even if we lose our primary object during the meditation many times and even if there are many wandering thoughts, we just observe and note these thoughts until they disappear. We just do it no matter how many times it happens, no matter if it happens 10 times, 100 times or 1000 times. Little children who learn to walk are a good example, an inspiring example. When they first want to make a step, when they want to walk, they maybe manage to do one step and then they fall down. But no matter, they again try to get up and then try it again, one step, two steps, and falling down. But it doesn't matter that they had fallen down. They just try to get up again and try it again. Two steps, three steps maybe, but then falling again. Falling down doesn't matter. 
what is important is to get up time and again. And in our meditation practice, it's the same. All we have to do is to get up time and again. And this is also true for the ups and downs in our practice. Can we keep going despite the loneliness, despite the frustration, despite the many unpleasant sensations in the body, despite the worries and sorries, despite the restless mind? With the determination we commit ourselves to that practice and even if it seems hopeless at the time, Anyway, our notion of progress or enlightenment very seldom matches the experiences that we have to go through. What seems hopeless to us brings um, beneficial and uh, good results when we uh, keep, uh, keep up with our practice. So therefore, it's not up to us to judge our practice, but only to do the practice, to continue the practice. If we do it with a determined effort, then it will be sure that some inner changes will take place, that some inner transformation will take place and that we are getting nearer to our goal. And finally, we will get there, sooner or later. With the practice of Vipassana meditation, we do not try to make things different or to change them in any way, but we try to be with the experience 100% and we try to understand it. A strong determination or a wholehearted resolve has also the power to free forces that we are not aware of, forces or qualities that we don't think we uh, possess. Because in our limited view, very often we nail ourselves down thinking I can do this but I'm not able to to do that or thinking I'm quite a patient person I'm definitely more patient than those yogis over there or we think of ourselves I am a very dull-witted person Um, I am only good for sweeping leaves. Or we might think of ourselves, I'm such a sensitive person, it's impossible for me to note any painful or unpleasant sensations. So, most of us, we have, uh, we see ourselves in a certain way and we limit ourselves in certain ways. So, we can ask ourselves, in which way 
do we limit ourselves or on which points do we get hooked up? Of course, when we make a determination or a resolve, we cannot immediately accomplish everything what we determine to do. It would be rather unwise if we determine that we are going to be able to swim across a big lake if we have never learned to swim. Or it would be rather foolish that when we jump from the roof of a very high building and make the determination that before reaching the ground that we will be able to learn to fly. So when we do a determination or a resolve, we we need to apply our uh, good common sense and our uh, discernment. In the Buddhist teaching, we have a set of practices which practitioners can choose to follow. They can be used as a means to purify our heart and mind and to strengthen some of the mental factors, such as contentment, fewness of wishes, renunciation, seclusion or determination. And these practices are called Dutanga. In English, we refer to them as ascetic practices. But it's not that sort of ascetic practices that are meaningless and useless, such as the Buddha practiced before he became a Buddha. But these kind of ascetic practices they are undertaken as a helpful support for the purification of our hearts and mind and with the intention to strengthen some of the mental factors such as fewness of wishes, contentment. These practices, for example, they involve only having one meal a day or to eat everything out of the arms bowl, to have all the food inside the, uh, the arms bowl mixed together. Or one of these practices is to live at the root of a tree, or another one is just to live in open space. One of these ascetic practices is called the sitters practice and it means that that person undertaking this practice never lies down even for sleeping. Still nowadays people um, choose to follow one, several or even all of these ascetic practices and thereby they show a dedicated effort to purify the heart and the mind. For example, Venerable Tenzin Palmo, 
who is an English nun ordained in the Tibetan Buddhist tradition, when she was living and practicing in a cave in the Indian Himalaya, she practiced the sitters practice, which means for the 12 years that she lived and practiced up there in the cave, she never lie down. She always kept the sitting posture. For example, this practice, uh, if one undertakes this practice, it's a helpful support for one's wakefulness or alertness and it counters laziness or laxity. Or this practice of eating everything out of the arms bowl can be a helpful practice to uh, strengthen our contentment or not being so fussy about our food. Because with food, most of us have very strong opinions or ideas of, first of all, what we want to eat, what we think is good for our bodies or what we like and then also the way we eat it or the order we eat it or what goes together with what. So maybe you can try it out tomorrow. Put all the food, the salad, the rice, the dessert, the cream <laughs> together. Mix it good mix it up and then see what your mind is doing. <laughs> Sometimes the chains of our habits are so strong that a mere good intention to change these habits is not uh, good enough. And so we need to do a determination or a strong resolve. And once we have resolved to do something or to give up something else, then we just stick to it. We do not waver, we do not play it with ourselves, maybe that was the wrong decision, uh, but we stick to it and we do it. Even if Mara comes with many different temptations, we do not give in, but we stick with our resolve. So when we um, are firm in our resolve, then that resolve is like a bright star in a moonless sky which can guide us through the stormy waters of life. In the night before his enlightenment, the Bodhisattva sitting under the Bodhi tree, he also uh, made a strong determination. He made the following resolution. Let my flesh and blood dry up and let only my skin, nerves and bones remain. Never shall I unfold this cross-legged position until I reach Buddhahood. So even the Bodhisattva took refuge in making determination 
in order to reach his final goal. So due to his firm resolve, he could withstand all the attacks um, and seductions of Mara, who tried to prevent him from becoming a Buddha. Adhikana, determination, resolve, is as relevant today as it was more than 2,500 years ago when the Buddha lived. And without doubt, a great power hidden in a heartfelt uh, determination. And it can help us to bring the best out of us. In the Buddhist teaching, we also have a set of guidelines which are considered to be the minimum standard for a decent uh, human life. And these guidelines, or the precepts, they are formulated as the extension from certain unwholesome actions. As you know, these five basic guidelines or precepts are the abstention from killing living beings, the abstention from taking what is not given freely, abstention from stealing, then the abstention from sexual misconduct, the abstention from lying or wrongful speech, and the abstention from taking intoxicants, which cause heedlessness and cloud the mind. We might think that we are quite a good and virtuous person, and so think there is no need to explicitly take these precepts. But it is exactly for times when we are challenged or when we are in great difficulties that the formal taking of the precept can reveal its strength and uh, the quality of non-wavering. In the commentaries there is this story of a farmer who lived in Ceylon. Long, long time ago, there was this farmer living in Ceylon. And one morning he discovered that one of his cows was missing. And so he had to go out and look for his missing cow. But before he went up, um, climbing up the hill, he went to the nearby monastery and he took the five precepts from the resident monk there. And only after that, he started climbing the hill. When he had reached the top of the hill, he looked around in all directions to see if he could spot his missing cow. And as he was looking around, a poisonous snake came and wound 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 around his leg. And when he realized that, he lifted his arm in which he was holding his knife and he was about to uh, hit the snake. But just in that moment of lifting the arm, he remembered that only a couple of hours before he had taken the five precepts, which included 
not killing any living beings. And so realizing that, he decided that he rather would keep the precepts than breaking them. And so with that decision, he threw the knife away into the bush and in that moment the snake unwound from his leg and slid away into the undergrowth. In the Asian Buddhist countries, these precepts are not taken just once, it's not the uh, once in a lifetime act, but they are taken repeatedly. And in the meditation centers in Burma, the Burmese meditators, they take these precepts every day before the Dhamma talk. And also many Burmese lay people, they take the five precepts daily in front of the shrine. Because we are not yet perfect, we have to remind ourselves every now and again to remind ourselves of the aims or the values that we really want to live in our life. So, to recite these precepts, to verbalize them uh, every now and again or every day helps to strengthen this determination to keep, to keep the precepts and so it also will be less likely that we are going to transgress one of these precepts. It is said that just before the Buddha passed away, his final words were Vayadama Sankara Apamadena Sampadeta and in English it means all conditioned things are impermanent strive on with diligence <coughs> strive on with diligence is a crucial factor in our endeavor be that a worldly endeavor or a spiritual endeavor the Pali word Pamata means laxity or laziness. And so, Apamata means not being lax or not being lazy. The Buddha only knew too well that human beings are often under the influence of laxity or laziness and that they are too often contented with just a little bit of happiness. Or joy. For the past 12 years, I have mostly been living in the meditation center in Burma, which is quite a protected environment. And there, I'm not, I'm not subject to the all-pervasive influence and bombardment of ads as we get it here in the West. So, every time when I leave the center in Burma, either when I go into Yangon, the city, or coming to the West, then it becomes so obvious to me how these ads work on a very subtle uh, level to suggest that we need this and that 
for our happiness and life to be perfect. Unless we do not exactly know what we want or in which direction we want to go, we easily fall prey to these ads and then go astray. Even to go shopping can be a major challenge uh, to stick to uh, our shopping list. You know better than I do. (laughs) How many times um, do you buy actually more than you intended to buy? How many times do you spend more uh, than you actually need? So, next time you go shopping after the retreat, uh, you might try to set up your shopping list and then go shopping and only buy what you have written down on your shopping list. can be quite a challenge, I reckon. So, Aditana, uh, determination, um, can work on two levels. On the first level, it can help to overcome some um, unwholesome habits or tendencies that we have become aware of and that we want to abandon. So then we make a resolve to restrain ourselves so that we do not fall back into these habits or tendencies. And with a determined effort, we can experience the results within quite a short time. And on the second level, Aditana helps to achieve our deeply valued goal of becoming a true and perfect human being, endowed with the spotless qualities of compassion, loving-kindness, understanding and wisdom. This goal may be still a far way off, but when we are determined to work towards this goal, then we will get there one day or later. The Bodhisattva was determined to become a Buddha after he got the prophecy from the previous Buddha, Buddha Dipankara. And so then, after that, he strived for a long, long period of time. It said that it took four incalculables and a hundred thousand worlds. So during this incredible long time span, he was born many, many times. He was born and passed away and was reborn again. Although he lived under uh, many different circumstances, and although he had to struggle for many different reasons, he always stuck to his resolve to become a Buddha and to do whatever was needed in order to fulfill the perfections. Even in the most demanding situations, his resolve was never shaken. He did never waver. Out of his great compassion and for out of his great compassion for the manifold suffering that all living beings were subject to, 
he patiently bore all hardships, regardless of how long it might help, might take, he steadfastly stuck to his determination. So, if we can pair our determination to become free from all our defilements with a benevolent attitude towards all living beings, then our practice will become more joyful and more meaningful because then we can share the wholesome and beneficial qualities with all living beings. In the same way as the Bodhisattva resolved to become a Buddha for the sake of all living beings, we can have the noble aspiration and determined effort to purify our heart and mind for the benefit of all living beings. So, with a sincere determination, may all of you be able to reach the highest goal and become fully liberated. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.